Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On today's episode of The Unwritten Rule, we're talking some Mizzou men's basketball. We had a couple players last season uh, making some decisions. We'll get to that. We'll do quick hits, and then we have a great interview with Gateway Grizzlies first baseman and DH and former Mizzou baseball player Peter Zimmerman. Talked all about Mizzou baseball with the coaching change and all the stuff behind the scenes. And we'll finish up with a little bit of NBA Finals talk. Uh, the Nuggets taking the lead last night. We're recording this on Thursday, um, despite Michael Porter Jr. getting overshadowed by a Kansas Jayhawk. So we'll get to all of that. We have uh, a great show coming up for you guys, and it starts right now. Attention. Everybody stop what you're doing. It's time for The Unwritten Rule, a Mizzou sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Network, alongside Peyton Haverman and Kenny Van Doren. Here is your host, Jack Knowlton. Welcome back to The Unwritten Rule. Today is Friday, June 9th, and Mizzou basketball has once again made its ways into the headline, made its way into the headline. Headlines, I guess I should say. Uh, we have some players um, making some announcements. One coming back to Mizzou, one not. Uh, so flashback to last show. Um, I had my Dirty Bird of the Week. We just tweeted him today. I had it as Caleb Brown because he visited UTSA. Go Roadrunners. Um, hence the bird. Meep, meep. Meep, meep. Yeah, there you go. Um, go Roadrunners. Uh, he pulled a fast one on all of us. He is not going to UTSA. That was, I guess, a front uh, because he's coming back to Mizzou um, in whatever capacity that is. I don't know if we know Peyton or Kenny. Uh, is he on Scott? Do we know if he's on scholarship? Do I don't think what? they announced it, but I mean, after the other news, I would assume he probably can get a scholarship. Right. So Caleb Brown is back. Uh, Kobe Brown obviously has gone to the to the NBA draft. He kept his name in there. I'm getting really excited, by the way, about that, boys. Like I've seen there was um, Jonathan Gavoy does the ESPN mock drafts, had him 30 to the Clippers best, in like a, yeah. a best fit. Um, so very exciting stuff. But his brother Caleb's coming back. And then in other news, probably a little bit more uh, big to Mizzou fans, Isaiah Mosley has finally um, – you know, revealed what I think a lot had been speculating for a long time. He is, uh, he is on, on, on the out. He is gone. Um, he is deciding to pursue, pursue his professional ventures. Um, didn't play too much for Mizzou had some, you know, off the court stuff. There was a, a long saga with all of that. So Mizzou men's basketball news, obviously big stuff heading into Dennis Gates, second season. Uh, boys, what do you make of both of these, uh, actions by Mosley and Caleb Brown well I mean the Caleb Brown thing I think that was more contingent upon the Mosley news personally I don't really think that Caleb Brown would have been back had Mosley been back um it's good to see I mean like at the end of the day um it's on I, I would be surprised I think and most people I think would be surprised um if he played a whole ton um but you know the Brown family, I mean, I guess it's cool to see them find, like, almost a second home in Columbia. Um, really not – I they were probably done in the portal. There's no reason to not really have them back if you think he could at least maybe give you good practice scrimmages. Um, I Someone did make a good point. Um, Mizzou could have some crazy good practices, the amount of uh, <laughs> players they've got on the roster right now. Um, 
the Mosley news is obviously the more pressing of the two, the more impactful, I'd say. Um, I know most people will look at it and say, well, Mosley didn't even give you much last year. But at the end of the day, Gates said there was a path to be back on the roster on scholarship for Mosley. And I think we all know just two years ago, he was a 50, 40, 90 guy. Like he could have really stepped into the proverbial number one option role um, that Kobe had last year, um, more effective than anybody had he been able to um, come back and play. It's obvious that that path that Dennis Gates laid out for him was not met. I would say Um, it's sad to see um, because Mosley is such a good player when he's been on the court. Um, It was, I really do hope uh, he succeeds overseas and is able to work through whatever personal issues kept him out last year. Um, uh, From a Mizzou roster standpoint though, that's a bit that I think him leaving lowers the ceiling pretty significantly as of now, because Mizzou does not have an obvious guy that can step in and be the big number one option for them. There's a lot of great depth on the team. I would say the depth and even the pieces around what a number one would be are a lot better than it was last year. Um, But I am concerned now about a number one option not being readily present. Maybe someone steps up and emerges as that, but I don't think they have one clear answer for that as of now. I'm glad you brought up, you know, the deep, the, you know, some of those practices that Mizzou might be having. I think it's kind of a funny thing to say, but also Caleb Brown did show some good flashes of defense last year. He picked up a claw award early on in the season and Dennis Gates Mm -hmm. even tried to get him really into that rotation a lot more as a defensive guy in the middle of the game, resting some of those, um, you know, premier starters. And um, it really just comes down to if, you know, he'll find some of that, that same path this year. It's, you know, more of a loaded team with more players in that sense. Um, so he might not be finding it. But even in the middle of the season last year, Caleb Brown came off the bench and saw good minutes, maybe 14 minutes off the bench, mainly in a defensive role. And maybe he could find that again here. Uh, it is funny that, you know, he was going to go to a, you know, non, a non-Power 5 school if Mosley hadn't left Mizzou. I mean, it's just such a weird domino effect there. Um, the one thing I do have about Mosley, though, is that when you look at him pursuing a professional career now, of course, he can't get drafted. He's, he missed that cutoff. He hasn't been working out with any teams anyways. But a team could sign him afterwards, right, to a G League contract. Yeah. And necessarily, I don't know yeah. if that will happen. I don't know if that, you know, there's a good ceiling there for Mosley. He doesn't have a lot of film in the last year, of course. Um, but that is an option moving forward. But it does seem like overseas would be the, the number one um, step, number one step moving forward. Yeah, uh, I mean, Mosley, so he played 14 games for Mizzou last season. He was obviously on and off the floor, and Peyton mentioned those kind of moments when we saw that player emerge, which obviously sort of fed into the frustrations that I think a lot of fans had when he wasn't playing and when we didn't know why. Obviously, none of that matters. You know, speculating on that is pointless, especially at this point. But, um, you know, that that's, that's where the frustration stemmed from, just because he was so good. Like Peyton mentioned, he's a 50-40-90 guy in his final season at Missouri State. He was getting second-round NBA draft looks at that time. So, yeah, this is certainly a guy who, you know, NBA teams might sniff around as, a, as someone who, who goes undrafted and say he had, you know, a, a strange situation in his final year at college, but there's some potential there. Um, he's a little bit older, and with the European path, Kenny, like you said, I think that's a 
certainly a viable option. We've seen that, you know, players take advantage of that before. Um, and then eventually, you know, come overseas. I think, I think Gabe Vincent for the Miami heat did that. I think he played in the basketball Africa league, if I'm not mistaken, before then going back to um, the NBA. And now he plays on a finals team. Obviously the heat are a, a unique hodgepodge of undrafted guys, but there are, you know, there are teams taking gambles on those players. The heat have put, have kind of laid out that groundwork for players like Isaiah Mosley to maybe, you know, get looks. There's the summer league, um, you know, there's all these things, but yeah, I think he, I think he can work his way definitely into a European rotation. Um, and like Peyton said for Mizzou, it does kind of, again, limit maybe the ceilings they can hit. I do want to get into that a little bit now. So, you know, I don't think, I think it's, it's reasonable to say this team's not bringing in anyone else who's coming in at the start of this season. The roster we have is now the one that they're going to, they're going to rock with. What do we think now with Mosley and Brown's situations getting sorted where this team might be headed next season without a Kobe Brown, but with some promise, obviously both on the sidelines and with some of the guys coming in. Um, I don't think they'll be bad by any stretch. When I say they don't have a number one option, that doesn't mean I think they'll be bad because I still think honestly that they have more guys that are going to be able to contribute at a pretty good level than last year, but I don't quite see them as of now until I actually see them play and see a potential, maybe someone does emerge in that role. Um, I don't see a way they really match what they did last year, which is totally fine. I mean, because Gates just needs to keep, they overachieved in year one. I don't think there's any disputing that they won 25 games won the first tournament game in 13 years. That was an unbelievable year one. You could not have asked for anything more. Um, and now I think just without a number one score, I think they take maybe a step back closer to a bubble team. Um, I just don't really see the bona fide guy on the team that they really couldn't use now. It's not going to be the end of the world if they don't make the tournament next year. The high school recruiting for Gates has been very good so far. Um, so just letting guys like Jordan Butler, Trent Pierce, Anthony Robinson uh, develop for a year. Aiden Shaw getting a number, another year under his belt could be big. Um, there's still plenty of reason to be optimistic about the future, but I do think they will be a bit worse this year than they were last year. Yeah, I don't think I could say it any better than that. And I do like what you said the other day, Peyton, about you know replacing Kobe Brown. Is that you're not going to find a player to replace him, but you're replacing him in different ways from defense and offense and just different ways you can score from the inside, from mid-range. And th- that's where Dennis Gates is really going to have to work with this season is piecing together you know, who's going to be on the floor at what time to complement each player out there. And right now, I don't know. We don't, we've talked about it before about who the starting five we think will be. We did one with Isaiah Mosley. If he was returning, we did one when he, if he wasn't returning. And so we don't know what that starting five may look like right now. It definitely could change um, over the next couple of months. Um, but I, I think they'll still be mindling, you know, around that middle of the SEC pack, maybe a little bit back from last year. And I think that's just a safe bet just going forward. Yeah. I think, I think bubble, a bubble team is where I have them too, um, around maybe that 10 or 11 line. It's way too early. You never know how talent can develop. And the fun part about this roster is there is room for somebody to emerge to be that guy. Like Peyton said, and he makes a correct point, we don't know who that is. Kobe Brown is gone. You know, he's been the guy on this team for two seasons now. And 
you know, that, that that's not you can't replace that in college in one season unless you're like, you know, just replacing freshmen over and over like a Duke or a Kentucky or a Kansas or something like that. Um, but I mean, there's room. There's players on this team like I'm expecting pretty big things from Aiden Shaw um, heading into his second season. Obviously, I think Peyton's talked about it the most on this show where he might need to, you know, kind of bulk up um, and and get to that level physically. Um, but there's I mean. Trent Pierce is an exciting, exciting prospect. Um, you know, he's like this six foot seven wing. He can score. He's like, I think a very prototypical player that Gates and CY have worked with at Florida state. He's somebody I could see in a couple of seasons, you know, really leading, leading the charge and taking this team to some pretty good heights. If, you know, he develops on the path, we think he might. Um, Jordan Butler's another one, Paul center, again, just has to kind of get to the level of the SEC physically. But there's there's some fun players here. It, it might be a a slide just in terms of record, but it's going to be a a fun slide. It's not really like a, like this team is still going to have some really fun players on it. I mean, Nick Honor made some great plays last season. Noah Carter, as much as he might have frustrated Peyton at times, uh, <laughs> especially made some made some good plays last season. Um, I'll say this for Noah Carter. Him playing before now is – probably gonna do wonders for him yeah um, i think he'll look a lot better defensively in that regard um i actually am pretty confident he'll be good this year um and like you said on aiden shaw um he kind of is the guy that jumps out of me at me as the guy that could emerge as a number one guy just because i mean he's so athletically talented um and he flashed the ability to really be an elite level perimeter the defender at times i remember in the georgia game i forget who it was but i mean he had to switch onto a guard and force the ugliest shot i've ever seen as as the clock expired i mean there are flashes of a really 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 good player in there yeah yeah it's an exciting i think exciting roster moving forward for sure um mm-hmm. come basketball season we'll have some fun content i'm sure some more good gates quotes and we need the Sternberg scoop back, friend of the show. We have to have him. We have to have him at contributing in some way, even mm-hmm. though he's gone now. Mm-hmm. Um, My last two th- points uh, yeah. for basketball is that the Conzo Martin uh, legacy oh, still yeah. lives on <laughs> with Caleb Brown back at Mizzou. Yep. And then his brother Kobe is working out uh, with Charlotte today. So the Charlotte Hornets are working out Kobe Brown. We're recording on a Thursday. So he's in Charlotte right now. And Des Moines is working with the Lakers today. Oh, yeah. Lakers Des Moines prime prime time Des Moines would be that'd be so fun mm-hmm. so much fun I think we'll have to do this as it gets closer to draft time just uh you know maybe like a realistic and fun where where we would want to see Kobe Brown end up because I had like just flashes of him in a Bucks jersey uh the other day <laughs> and I was like I would buy that jersey so fast I'd probably if you went in the second round I'd probably have to custom make it but I would yeah that would be so much fun um anyway yeah so exciting stuff for Mizzou men's basketball um, you know, we'll talk more on that as the season comes up and see what these guys uh, might bring. OK, we're segueing to, to baseball. Um, we have an interview coming up later in the show with Peter Zimmerman. We talked to him about a lot of this, um, but Mizzou obviously hiring uh, Carrick Jackson, bringing him in, um, you know, from Memphis. He had his introductory press conference this week um, and some interesting stuff came of it. Uh, obviously, one of the main things being Ian Kinsler was there. Um, you know, it got revealed that he had consulted with Desiree Reed Francois on who they wanted to hire, although it was a, a pretty brief process. He interviewed guys. He had some comments and, and stuff that he said. 
And, you know, I'll let I have the quotes, but I can read them or, or, or you guys can. But I'll open up it up. What did you make of Ian Kinsler being there um, and a former Mizzou pro kind of being involved in the process with a team that's getting a lot of buzz around it right now with trying to rebuild in a program trying to rebuild? We, so I, we've heard we've oh, heard before about how, you know, Max Scherzer w- wasn't happy about the Steve Beezer hiring. We, we didn't we hadn't seen him around Mizzou until a Kansas basketball game last year. And so you know, those connections kind of went away and then they came back. And one of the most interesting things that I saw, saw from Kinsler, like probably the, the number one quote was he said, when I was here in the Big 12, our facilities were not what they are now at Missouri. We had outdoor cages. We shared divine with all the other sports. And we competed against Texas and Texas A&M and Oklahoma and teams that had a lot of things, bells and whistles and facilities. And we seemed to beat them every year. That's not really how you determine if your team can win or not. And the big one of the big topics going around Mizzou baseball right now is the funding. And that was just such an interesting quote for me to read from Ian Kinsler saying it's not just about the facilities. It's about coaching. It's about developing players. And so he thinks. I feel like if you have these this money, though, might be a little bit easier to grab some better players and develop them into MLB talent or just into talent that could win you win you SEC games and get you to a regional. Yeah, I mean, Kenny touched on it there um, about Scherzer not being around the program too, too much. Um, I think it is um, more than anything else. It's just nice to see one of the big baseball alums be back around the program in that in just any capacity, let alone just a big role like that um because that was a big issue under Beezer I I think is just it didn't seem like there was a ton of alum like just anything from the alum I mean Scherzer we know the whole deal with that maybe Carrick Jackson can help bring him more back into the program it does seem like that relationship is starting to thaw a bit um because everybody that was involved with that previous situation is gone now um I will say the the there were comments not just from Kinsler but Desiree um, that intrigued me about how the funding will go. Desiree said they'd look at turfing the outfield, look at the scoreboard, and those are good. I would still like to see a bit more. Um, I know friend of the show Tyler Kading did say something about a he. I think Desiree made a comment about having a full time strength and conditioning coach in a different interview um so there's some encouraging things um it's nice to see ian kinsler back around the program uh and i I mean obviously carrick jackson just seems so bought in and passionate about the job it's easy to sell hope Mm -hmm. yeah well said and did you because desiree francois said the thing about the turf did you say that Peyton? i might have yes yeah yeah so that's an interesting comment there too um with you know seemingly ready to kind of invest in this in this baseball program and again we talked to to Pete Zimmerman about all of that um coming up later but yeah interesting comments made um Kenny I I think it's interesting you said the what he said about them in the big 12 because I guess he also said it's absolutely not impossible if you have the right people the right kids and the right leader you can 100% win anywhere so he seems pretty confident that with the right personnel, even with some of these lackluster facilities or, or as the investment maybe grows, um, mm-hmm. you can still start to win pretty quickly if, if Jackson kind of starts to embed his philosophy on this program. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to ask, too, is I was reading uh, Dave Matter's article in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and he brought up the relationship with Tim Jamison, who they worked together at Mizzou and then at Memphis, 
Is there any likelihood that you guys like could speculate on about Jamison coming back to Mizzou as well in an assistant role if the two kind of have worked together both here and somewhere else in different in different roles? I mean, it certainly I wouldn't like say it's impossible. Uh, mm-hmm. Jamison, of course, I mean, was just inducted into the Mizzou Athletics Hall of Fame within the last few weeks. Like I think the day before uh, Beezer was fired, it was announced that. So clearly there's not a burnt bridge there or anything. I would, I would say it it does seem kind of odd. I'd say to have Jamison come back to the university. He was uh, Carrick Jackson's pitching coach at Memphis. I don't know if he'd come back, come back to Mizzou where he was once the manager and be the pitching coach now. Not saying it's impossible. I'm not speaking on any info or anything. I'm just speaking based on uh, what I would think. And it does seem a little unlikely to me that that would be the case. But maybe maybe not. Maybe he would bring him in. Uh, maybe Jamison would be happy to take that role under Carrick. Uh, it, it, we'll find out soon. I mean, Carrick uh, has got to put his uh, staff together pretty soon. Yeah, I really have nothing else to add. Peyton said it great there. But it is interesting because you don't really see many former head coaches, former managers return to a baseball team in a different role necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so I know Jamison is a little bit older now. He was at Mizzou for, you know, he was one of the longest tenured Mizzou Eight. baseball coaches. And yeah, he was there for, it felt like two decades when you look back at, um, just at the records. And it, it'll be interesting if he comes back, if he comes back in that capacity. Um, doesn't seem like there's any bad blood anywhere. I mean, he did a good job. He took those teams to some regionals. He was dominant in the Big 12 um, when he was head coach. So um, I, that's all I have to add there. Yeah, I, I you answered kind of another question too, Kenny. Even at Memphis when I heard that, I was like, oh, he was the head coach at Mizzou. Carrick was one of his assistants, and now Carrick's mm-hmm. head coach. He's one of it. I didn't know the likelihood, like how often that kind of occurred. It seems like an interesting dynamic there. But clearly somebody – again, connected to the Mizzou program that seems to believe in him. Um, okay, before we do quick hits, I do want to uh, fact check myself. Gabe Vincent did not play in the Basketball Africa League. I thought yeah, I saw I a looked clip that of him. Up. He played for Nigeria in the, I think, like FIBA work. I think that was the clip I saw. But hmm. he was undrafted, so my point stands. I don't care. Nice. Um, I'm also going <laughs> to fact check you. Yeah. Uh, I believe Trent Pierce is 6'8", not 6'7". Okay, whatever. I'm getting cooked. He's drinking a lot of milk right now. My facts are... Getting some inches on him. Yeah. Okay, Uh, we'll we'll segue over. It's that time. Quick it's time. Jersey of the week. Guess that college. Bad beats of the weekend. Our Shawnee's main bird of the week. The best thing we learned. And, of course, the ratio. It's called quick hits. And we start out with Kenny. Kenny, take it away. All right. Jersey of the week. Uh, this is a good one. And it might be a bad one uh, for Josh Allen, quarterback of the yeah. Bills. He is the Madden cover. Um, finally got on there. Uh, we're big Josh Allen fans on this podcast. At least Peyton and I are. I like I know Josh Jack, Allen. No, Jack likes Josh yeah. Allen, too. Uh, we all like Josh Allen here. Uh, but rest in peace to Josh Allen. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, some some sort of horror, like injury or something crazy. No, I think they're going to go to four straight Super Bowls and lose all four I again. Think four <laughs> and again. they'll make yeah. a they'll make a pretty decent uh thirty for thirty about it called the four mm-hmm. balls of Buffalo. Um, my jersey of the week, John Bull Sunrise Academy. John Bull, a class of twenty twenty four, uh, center, 
is announcing his commitment on Saturday. Mizzou is in his final eight. Um, in fact, he is actually listed twice in his commitment graphic. I don't know why. Yeah, weird. The Mizzou logo, the Tiger logo, and right <laughs> below that, the Block M. Very interesting choice there. Maybe it, it lends credence to Mizzou. Um, it does seem like Mizzou has a decent shot here. Um, everyone's been crying. Where's the big men coming for Dennis Gates? Now he's got Connor Vanover, and he might get John Bull. Eat your words, haters. Um, but yeah, John Bull, Sunrise, Christian. Nice. Uh, oh, Kenny, also with your Josh Allen jersey, I'm putting all of my money next year's Madden cover, Joe Burrow. Lock it in. Lock it in. I bet the house on that. He's got to get one eventually. I was He's thinking too- Justin Fields because I think they could, they should have a oh, fun player. And if Justin Fields has a good year, <laughs> if they Justin make the Fields playoffs, Madden cover, oh, shoot. oh, sneak into the playoffs. It's too late. That I've would already be quite fun. If they I've, I've already put my, playoffs, I hope so. I've already put my money on Joe Burrow, him or Justin Jefferson. I can see uh, Justin Jefferson would also be a good one. Him grittying. What's a what's a y'all's favorite Madden cover that you can remember? Peyton Hillis or just play? I mean, I think yeah, that's an easy that's one. Fair. That's fair. Um, football. The Gronk one on Madden 17 brings back good memories. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe that one, but yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go. Sherm 2015. That is a good one. Also, the one with Fitzgerald and Palomalu. That's oh a really yeah, good one. two that's players, two players. Good points. Um, okay, my jersey of the week. Uh, I'm going back to back. I think this is the first time for the jersey of the week that I have the same player in two different jerseys. Um, I jumped the gun a little bit last uh, last show. I did Lionel Messi on. I did his PSG jersey because he was leaving, uh, and now I'm doing his uh, new jersey. He's not going to New Jersey, but uh, he's transferring to Inter Miami. <laughs> um which is a club in the mls it's the one that david beckham owns um he is yeah he's going there free transfer he's gonna get paid a bunch of money the mls is kind of doing its uh retirement thing um with him this time it's where all the retirees go i'm not happy about it because just like it just signals my childhood is over this is like the whole tweet where it's like eli manning's out of the league joe flacco's out of the league like your childhood Eli over. Manning I, and Joe Flacco. Whatever. No, it's like two elite quarterbacks you could okay, think sorry, of. <laughs> sorry. I, I don't know. Whatever. Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Peyton, Peyton Manning. Manning. Okay, whatever. So, sorry. I, I don't know I, why. Drew Brees? I'm not a man. Joe Flacco is elite. Brian Hoyer? Okay. All right, man. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I just like they have this and then, you know, Karim Benzema, who plays for France, who's getting old too, is going to this the Saudi league. They're doing like the paid live. almost the same amount as the NFL salary cap. Yeah, it's it's sad. I don't know. They're just buying all these stars, and I don't know. My childhood's over, but I hope you enjoy retirement, Messi. Whatever. Old Moving people on. love South Florida. That's all I got to say there. Yeah, honestly, they they were showing the overhead shots at the Heat game last night. It did look pretty nice. Their stadium's mm-hmm. nice. Miami's okay. Center Miami. That's what Peyton and I were talking about this the other day because we don't know all the MLS teams. Peyton and I don't really know a lot about soccer. Mm, We thought Inter Miami was some team in like France. I was like, is it Spain? Like, where's Inter Miami? We didn't think an MLS club would have Inter in front of their David Beckham. Didn't think Lionel Messi would go to play for an MLS team. Like, I just didn't. He's for like forty goals a game. I mean, yeah, he was still killing it with PSG. It was either this Saudi Arabia or going back to Barcelona, but apparently the Barcelona thing was never, like, real. So, oh, well. On to Erling Holland. All right. Uh, guess that college. So we have a new format. We did it for the first time last week. But this time, I'm going to name four players, 
And as I go by each one, you can lock in your answer and your answer cannot change. You have to be locked into that one. When I say the first play, so if I say the first player's first athlete's name, you lock in, that is your answer. Okay. Or you can just keep waiting until I go down all four. You can lock in at two, you can lock in at three, you can lock in at four. Okay. So I'm going to go down four athletes from this, this college university and just let me know if you want to lock in. Peyton, you can use your soundboard. Jack, I know you have some sounds too. Yeah. If not, just say, I got it. And then I'm just going to keep going down. If you both lock in on the same one, we'll go from there. You guys can guess. Okay. All right. First athlete from this university is Carly Lloyd, former professional soccer player. Going to need more than that. Oh, I have an idea. Oh, she really, played for Team USA. You guys I'm know really, who she is. I'm really tempted to lock in. Mm-hmm. I think I might know because I know a lot of people went to this university, but I, I'm not. I'm not locking in here. Oh, oh, locking in. I'm gonna do it. Dax locked in. Oh, okay. I'm gonna be wrong. I'm gonna be wrong. Just uh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Why don't yeah, you just say, wait? You so, have three other athletes because I don't want you to lock in first. Well, he could win now. If do I guess now lock. or do I win? No, you just just hold on to it. Yeah. You just cannot lie to me. Okay. I will not lie. Right, okay. Yeah. Honesty. Peyton, the next athlete is Kenny Britt. Oh, I NFL wide receiver. Locked in? Yeah, I'm locked in. All right. I know exactly who this is. Jack, you can go. You guys go at the same time. Three. Same time? Two. Okay. One. North Carolina. Rutgers. Okay. I'm All right. Wrong. Peyton got it. Exactly right. Kenny <laughs> Yep. It, North Carolina is a big, big school. I, yeah. I thought it was they UNP are. because I know so many soccer people went to yeah, UNP. Yeah, that was kind of what I was going on. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is North Carolina. Peyton lived in North Carolina. He's gonna he's gonna get it on the mm-hmm. second one, so I have to just try if it if it actually was. So yeah, no, that's fine. I, Kenny Britt went. To I was really by. hoping I was right, and Kenny just goes. Your second athlete is Michael Jordan. <laughs> Who were the other two athletes? Kenny? So my yeah. next player was gonna be Todd Frazier, and I was depend. I was debating if I could do should do Kenny Britt or Todd Frazier first. Tom's then, River. Tom's River. Yeah, and I felt like that would give it away because it is a New Jersey school. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last one was Ray Rice because I thought Ray Rice would be the easy one. I would have never I got that. I would have gotten it on that one too. On Ray Rice. Yeah. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I did not know Ray Rice went there. Yeah. All right. Oh. That's uh, yeah, the college this week. One of the worst 1,000 yard receivers ever, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Best beats of the weekend. I got Nuggets minus three and a half in game four of the NBA Finals. Recording on a Thursday here. So that's going to be your best beat of the weekend from me. My best beat of the weekend. This might as well be the unwritten parlay. Um, it is. Yeah. Because this is, uh, these are all from the NBA finals. I'm going to do a fun one. Largest lead under 17 and a half. Yes, it's safe. Um, I didn't write the odds down, but that's largest lead under 175. It's definitely minus odds, but you need a, a, a an easy one in your parlay. I... Also, don't I actually am not super confident in that. I think we got a heat. We're gonna have a heat down big situation. They're gonna come back. They're gonna we're have another fourth quarter heat game. They were down by a bunch uh, last night and they came back. Kind of close. Oh, he's got the script. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but if anything, I'm gonna kill this parlay because I'm doing a Michael Porter Jr. first scorer. I mean, we know the ball stops here, Porter. If they get one pass to him on the first possession off the tip, he is shooting a three and. You know, we just have to hope he makes it. Had a bad game last night. I think he's due for a bounce back. Um, and yeah, it's just the the offense ends with him. He shoots a lot. So I'm just hoping we get like a Jokic wins the tip. We give it to Jamal. Jamal kicks it to Michael in the corner. He's like kind of contested, but he just shoots it anyway. And hopefully he makes it. Yeah, I don't know so, about that one. Unwritten parlay. The unwritten parlay <laughs> is locked in. Unwritten parlay go. is locked in. All right, next. Sean. Well, I like no capping. He's the main bird. 
main bird right, of the we, week. We've got some great Shawnee's main birds of we the do. week. Mm-hmm. We're starting in Toronto, though. Peyton and I are both up north right now. We're in Canada for this one. How's the weather up go- there? Oh, it is cold. Oh, don't get me started on the weather, though. It's hard to breathe up here right <laughs> Yeah, now, I was going to say, air quality. Um, the air quality is bad, but we're starting up here in Toronto with no one other than Chris Bassett, starting pitcher for the Blue Jays. He replied to Frank Fleming, Frank the Tank, NG Tank 99 from Barstool, saying, thankful I didn't make this list. Sorry for the last two. I was feeble. And this list is an updated list of 10 most hated Mets of all time for Frank Fleming. Kind of updates it here and there about who he doesn't like. And, of course, you know, Frank, if you know Frank Fleming, you know he likes to overreact. And one of the uh, number three on the list is Daniel Vogelfat instead of Vogelback. And, you know, Frank's a bigger guy. I mean, we can all admit that. Uh, but very fun response there from Chris Bassett. And Chris Bassett is a former Mets pitcher, for those that don't mm-hmm. know. And Frank replied to Chris Bassett saying he misses him. So a very wholesome moment there oh. from Frank <laughs> and Chris Bassett. There you go. This one is less wholesome. Um, in fact, it's really really bad um my <laughs> main bird of the week is alec manoa alec manoa who of course can he say the the famous line from him about pressure um pressure is what you put in tires yeah well evidently the pi- <laughs> the tires have popped um because alec manoa was after a really rough outing um against the astros the other day how many runs did he give up uh he gave up like he was six, six and he only got one out yeah, he had it inflated his ERA to six three six on the year. He was optioned just to get some more work in, not to triple A, not to double A, not to high A, not to single A, all the way down to FCL rookie ball, Florida Complex League rookie ball. I, this has happened like one other time for Miguel Sano, and it was like when he was way out of shape. I remember um, because he needed to get back in shape. Um, this is just crazy. I mean, imagine you're a rookie coming up and your first at bat has to be against Alec Manoa who finished top three in Cy Young voting last year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. All-star yeah. pitcher. So Alec Manoa pressure is for uh, FCL minor leaguers. Uh, there you go. Not tired. Main bird of the week. Yeah. You don't see that very often. And I actually saw one of the Blue Jays reporters call it the Roy Halladay treatment. Cause I think the Blue Jays sent Roy Halladay down to I think single A to figure out his mechanics. I think it was low A back then. And mm. but this is even further down. I mean, there's a pitching lab down there. There's many opportunities for him to really just find his all-star form again. But it might be the pitch clock. It just might be a couple different things with mechanics. Very unfortunate for Alec Manoa. Pitch but weird, weird th- things, man. I saw that the Portland Pickles said they signed <laughs> Alex Manoa, but not Alec Manoa. And then someone said spelling error, and the uh, the Portland Pickles replied, "Touch grass." One of the best <laughs> accounts, and it's a professional yeah. baseball team. It's independent baseball. I was going to bring that up if you weren't going to. I saw that mm-hmm. Pickles tweet, too. That was funny. Oh, we got some breaking news. I'm going to interject with, oh, oh. This, with the second, uh, with my second best thing I learned this week. According to Mark Feinsand, a big MLB insider, Joe Girardi, currently the, um, the Cubs, uh, one of the Cubs color analysts uh, for Marquee, he has been offered the head baseball coach position at the University of Central Florida. So wow. he is mulling the opportunity. He doesn't know if he's going to accept it. But Joe Girardi, how about that? Going down mm-hmm. to the college ranks? That'd be crazy. I bet he'd be a great recruiter. But, oh, uh, definitely. But that's it. Congrats. Or congrats, maybe. Maybe. Um, my main bird of the week, uh, I'm doing Patrick Mahomes. Uh, my only connection to birds for him is that he, he beat the Eagles. Actually, 
connection. <laughs> Boy, to the these clip. are getting very loose. Yeah, they, they it was loose. I, I was trying my best, but I'm picking Patrick Mahomes because I wanted to bring this up because I thought it was funny. Uh, the Chiefs visited the White House this week um, for because they obviously won the Super Bowl. And while some people were talking to Joe Biden, the podium was open. Travis Kelsey attempted to speak to the podium where Patrick Mahomes then bodied him off of it and apologized to all the reporters. I just thought that was a very funny move. I, I will say I am. I did really want Travis, Travis Kelsey to maybe call someone a jabroni on the, the presidential podium. I thought that would have been funny. But shout out Patrick Mahomes for preventing. I don't know. Maybe maybe Travis Kelsey would have spilled some nuclear secrets or something. Oppenheimer style. Maybe Joe Biden. Maybe Joe Biden told him something. I don't think I don't Oppenheimer know. spilled nuclear secrets. I think he just made the nuclear. He blew up a nuclear bomb. Yeah, he blew up spilled a nuclear bomb. Peyton, what'd you learn this week? Yeah. Uh, best thing I learned this week. We uh, this is actually the worst thing I have potentially ever learned. The Live and PGA Golf Tours are merging. This is unbelievably bad. This is so stupid. After all of that hoopla and circumstance, to have these two merge, especially I'm not going to get too into the weeds with what has, has been said about each other. This is like really a bad look if you're Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour, uh, head, head of the PGA Tour. Um, he isn't even really trying to justify it. Like, it's so funny when he gets asked about it. He's like, yeah, he is just. For money basically rory mcelroy very not pleased with all of this he said he still hates live um he is thinking it will go away and it does seem likely that the live tour will not survive much longer but these two merging the pif and pga this is unprecedented it came out of absolutely nowhere and it's quite frankly bad for the game like the Golf is better when we have more feuds. Um, this was the feud to end all feuds, and it's been ended. So <laughs> And ended in the worst really, way. Yeah, ended in such a dud of a way. Um, really, I am not a fan of this. To keep the two leagues, it's more fun. Mm-hmm. And just the different avenues of way you can take this, just where the Saudis were and their connections to 9-11 and the money that's involved and the commissioner of the PGA saying, you know, how could you join live and then tell people that were affected by the 9-11. You don't have to apologize for being on the PGA tour. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you do. So um, now you're, now you're working with uh, that league that you're saying that stuff about it. Just like the chaos thing too, of like, you told these guys who probably were really considering taking that money, no, be more, more moral than that. Don't take that money. They have now lost all of that money. And, mm-hmm. you know, these live guys are now going to be allowed back on the PGA Tour eventually because of this merger. And and there was some good point. I've been diving into the weeds on all this, and I won't say all of what I've you know been learning. But, like, they, there was some good points made about, oh, they'll probably, you know, make that back eventually because now golf is going to be way richer. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, it just like whether you like the live tour or not, the hypocrisy of Jay Monahan and, and of PGA and the higher ups that decided to give the green light to this is is insane. It's, and I don't know how like, Jay Monahan could stay on. Honestly, I don't either. I, I mean, mean, the, the fair is like furious. Yeah. I mean, there, there are people that will say, hey, you need to resign because you didn't tell us this was ever going to happen. And 
you know, like Colin, it was Colin Morikawa, right? That tweeted like love finding out about how my game is changing on Twitter. Like they didn't mm-hmm. even tell players. Everyone found yeah. out the same way we all did. Yeah. It's crazy um, stuff. Totally. Crazy stuff. Just terrible. Yeah. Uh, Peyton, the how's one... your, go ahead, go ahead, Kenny. I said the one thing that I did make a joke about is I hope with the merger, cause they're still trying to, you know, find out what the name's going to be. If they're just going to stick with PGA, what oh, the yeah. logo is going to look like. I wonder if they'll allow golfers to wear shorts during the summer. <laughs> it gets hot out there. Play some music. While that they... was one thing that sold me on lit that you could wear shorts while you played yeah. golf. Oof. Let the, let the boys breathe. <laughs> uh, Peyton, how's your uh, live tour course uh, reacting to this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, my PGA tour certified course, not live. Well, no, tour, now it's right? both. Now it's live certified. Now it's a live certified course. PIF course. Um, Peyton's backyard is Saudi Arabia. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite how it works. Um, you know it's fine. The the whole Saudi Arabian soil. The hole on hole fourteen is like, uh, it's like towards the back of the green today. So you just have to put. You can play a seven iron probably off the tees for that. Good to know. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Y'all ever gotten a hole in one in golf? I've gotten in mini golf, but I haven't putt putt. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's probably that's probably as far as mini golf to you guys. I've always said putt putt. I've always said mini mini golf. golf. Hmm. I guess it's because I lived in the south for a while. I live in the south right now. (laughs) You don't. Not the southeast. The best Uh, thing I learned this week is that my uh, Oakland A's might be staying in Oakland a little bit longer. Nevada lawmakers will not move forward during the regular legislation session on a bill aimed at bringing the Oakland A's to Las Vegas through public financing of up to $380 million to fund the construction of a new baseball stadium. My Oakland A's are staying at the Coliseum for the time being. This doesn't mean that the future of the A's in Las Vegas is out of the picture, but I still have an opportunity to go see my Oakland A's in the Coliseum sooner than later. Congrats! I Kenny. guess it has it has to be sooner than later. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> happy for you. Thank you. Congrats, Kenny. They're gonna come for the Brewers next, so I'm a little worried now. Vegas, Brewer, is. the the Louisville Brewers. Yeah, yeah. Las Vegas Brewers. There you go. Um, my best thing I learned this week. Um, Chris Paul maybe, uh, set to curse yet another team from winning a championship. Um, it was reported yesterday that the Phoenix Suns, well, there was a little bit of back and forth. It was first reported that the Phoenix Suns were waving Chris Paul. That doesn't necessarily mean he's leaving. Um, they can maybe restructure and, and renegotiate a new deal. Apparently, they're exploring options, um, but that not has not stopped um, Bucks, among other uh, teams, burners from photoshopping Chris Paul. <laughs> Uh, in their jerseys Mm -hmm. i don't know when people are going to learn you do not win titles with chris paul he does sponsors with the aura ring for a reason it's because he can't win an nba ring so he has to have another one to balance it out um yeah chris paul's daughter's uh bullies are probably having a field day (laughs) that was bad i saw that quote they were like she has bullies because of her dad they go up to her at the lunchroom and they say to her yo daddy can't win a ring (laughs) I was like, "Oh my gosh, that is so that's so that is bad, but that's kind of funny." Oh my internet! I would pull her out of school for the next week. That's tough. You know who I I would send her to school with? Um, oh no, what's her name? Who was the girl for that was at the Bulls games that was yelling on the? Oh, Dr. DeRozan. Dr. Dr. DeRozan. She should go to school with Dr. DeRozan. Dr. DeRozan would stick up for her. I know that. Oh my god, he's a bull. He's going to Chicago. Oh, there you go, Peyton. You got a new point guard. DR would just scream at the DR would just scream at all the bullies and they'd be like deaf for life. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't they wouldn't be able to recover. This exactly. is the unwritten rules official stance. Um, by the way, 
we are banning Chris Paul's daughter, daughter's bullies from the show. Yes. They will not yeah. be yeah. on the That's too movie. far. You can make fun of Chris Paul, but you don't need to do it to his daughter's face. That's yeah. too far. You hear that? Peter Camp, Chase Madison, Luke Magnancy. <laughs> you guys are not allowed on the unwritten rule. We just name dropped you. You guys are the bullies. I, I... All right. Ratio of the week. <laughs> I think this is a really good one. And I'm, I don't have an exact tweet, but I'm just going to go down this. If you guys don't know the Mariah Mills, Zion Williamson story already. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. it, this is, this yeah. is bad. Yeah. The love triangle of Zion Williamson, Mariah Mills, and another woman uh, has been taking over Twitter right now. And Mariah Mills is just tagging Zion Williamson in these tweets about how messed up he is uh, with their love life. And there's a lot. I mean, I'm going through them right now. Uh, she's getting ratioed on some of them just because they're just so outrageous. I think people are just replying. It's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit tough. I, I, <laughs> I do want to say that I did find the thing funny. The screenshot from the Snapchat that was just like the the kind of just gall of just saying, um, oh yeah. How but much do you I'll, want I'll me just, to pay? Yeah, you how a much month? do you want me to pay I'm you a month excited, to move though. to New Orleans? But I'm super excited. Thumbs up. I'm just like. <laughs> that's right. uh i saw a great tweet someone just took that image and said uh coaches in the transfer portal and it was how much do you want me to pay you a month again <laughs> super excited super though. excited though <laughs> oh geez uh yeah what a, what a situation we'll see how that uh that plays out okay uh we are now joined by a very special guest uh he is currently a dh for the gateway grizzlies hey, of the frontier league place. Plays in first base. Oh, yeah, he plays first base. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. There was a lot of positions listed. I picked one. I should have wrote them all. So first base, my bad, my, my bad, Peter. Um, but DH and first base for the Gateway Grizzlies of the Frontier League, former Astros prospect, and, of course, also spent two seasons with Mizzou Baseball. Um, Peter Zimmerman's joining us. Uh, thanks a ton for joining us, first and foremost. Um, and we, we want to check in as well. Um, are, are, you doing, are you doing all right with the illness? Kenny told us uh, – you know, you weren't feeling as well. We had to postpone the interview a little bit. We just our our guest health is is very important. So we wanted to we wanted to check in first and foremost. I, I am feeling better. I mean, we've had a couple guys miss games recently for sickness all throughout. I mean, I feel like everybody's starting to get sick right now. All the teams are playing, guys are getting sick. That's one of those things. Once one person gets sick when you're on a bus full of guys, it's just gonna pass around pretty quickly. So <laughs> I'm feeling some I'm feeling better now. I just had to yeah, I was not doing well for a while there, but you know, grinded through it. Yeah. Does uh, does allergies hit a lot of you guys hard? I bet. Just you know, if you're out in the field or whatever. Yes and no. I mean, my allergies always do worse usually in the fall than like early spring. Like when I was a kid like in high school, I think you know March, early April really got me more. It's like when I was in the zoo, those were the times yeah. that kind of was the worst. But once I get into mid late May, early June, now nah, it doesn't bother me too much. I mean, some guys it really gets, but not me. They got a, they got a pollen control every every field. Um, but yeah, so Peter, thank you again for joining us. We're excited to talk to you. Um, and you know, we are we are mostly having you on to talk about your time at Mizzou and um, you know, just some of just some of that stuff. Um, you know, with Mizzou baseball. Um, of course, it's had a lot of conversation around it in recent weeks. What with a a coaching change recently, and then just the topic of, of course, funding. Um, so I do want to start with the the coaching change so far. So, um, you know. Did Steve Beezer, uh, you know, his firing, you played under him. Did that come as a little bit of a surprise to you? And did you feel, you know, maybe his dismissal was, you know, a little bit unfair, maybe unwarranted given, you know, the results last season and what he kind of started to build? Uh, surprised? No. Uh, 
I mean, you have a new athletic director in there who probably is going to want to make her own mark, kind of get her own people in there all sometimes. And the other part is just, they haven't made a regional in seven years. And budget aside, even all the stuff aside, we still have had teams that should have made regionals. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Unfair? Yeah, I think it was definitely kind of got the short end of the stick. He had to deal with having just a – the smallest budget in the SEC, the worst facilities in the SEC, the worst travel schedules in the SEC, and all this stuff coupled against him without really much help behind him. Now, how much of that, again, plays in the fact that we, you know, you make a couple regionals early on, does some of that change? I don't know, but we, they haven't, you know, chartered a flight since 2019. I didn't even realize that until recently, and that's kind of, and people don't like realize they hear that like, oh, you know, chartering a flight should be a privilege. Like it is a privilege, but when you're recruiting and schools that all do that consistently, it can be hard to convince that many more people to go to your school when other schools are just getting that much more. What are some of those firsthand examples of like Mizzou kind of being behind on the fund the funding? I know you have a story about you guys playing Texas A and M and you guys had a curfew you had to get out of the game at a certain time. Like what, what are some ways that Mizzou is just so behind compared to other SEC schools? I mean, that's the perfect example is that in 2019, we had to tie Texas A&M when we, we had arms left. We had bats left on the bench. They were depleted and they stalled the game to force a tie. And it worked for them. We win that game and with 14 SEC wins, and I know we're in a regional that year. And it's just tough. And we had, you know, when you have to fly out of, Houston instead of flying out of the, you know, the local airport and college station. So you have to drive all the way to Houston and you have to have a travel curfew because of that. It messes things up. Uh, I mean, we, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we have to bus to St. Louis to go fly out half the time. We can't have fly to Columbia and that's small little things. But when guys are all of a sudden getting back at three, four in the morning, it makes a big difference. I mean, baseball at Mizzou doesn't have their own strength coach anymore. That's kind of tough. Strength coach doesn't even travel. That's kind of tough. That doesn't happen at any other school in the SEC. Not one school. Uh, no turf outfield. It's not a good look. I mean, there are public high schools throughout the state of Missouri that have turf outfield. And your flagship institution can't have a turf outfield. That hurts. Uh, I mean, there were times there when we were there that they almost – not even almost, they essentially rationed out the gear to guys who were starting and playing. If you were redshirting, you weren't getting gear. Like whether it be shoes, not all the gear, but like certain pairs of shoes and things like that. And that's just, it doesn't happen in other SEC schools. Never will happen. And at Mizzou, it did. And that just, that was tough. That's hard to see. I mean, the other SEC schools had these gigantic support staffs and Mizzou was building a, you know, was starting to build a good one and, and hopefully they keep it going, but it's hard to compete when, and really that hard to compete. It's really hard to build roster depth when you have to convince that many prospects to take less to go to your school, or you're having to recruit kids who maybe are SEC material and hopefully mold them into that, which we've done. But these other schools are re- recruiting SEC players from the start. And of, of course, like Mizzou, like knows, like I feel like they know that 
they're not funding their program like other SEC schools are. But did Steve Beezer and his staff ever, you know, like bring that up to the athletic director even before Desiree about, you know, like we need more money if we want to compete with some of these other schools at the same level? You know, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes with that kind of stuff. I under I know that there were plans for there to, you know, get a new football or a new baseball stadium or at least renovate Taylor. And then that fell through pretty quickly, especially with COVID hitting. So I don't know how much they really have talked about getting more funding. I mean, I know they probably had conversations countless times, but it's one of those things where if you're Coach Beezer, if you're, you know, don't make a couple regionals and all of a sudden you keep screaming and yelling, hey, I need money, maybe that gets you out of your job faster. Maybe what kept him there was he was working with what he had and was being, you know, a good guy about it and not freaking out, which – I don't know. Maybe that would have helped him. Maybe it wouldn't have. It's hard to say. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we'll know more, you know, in the years to come, I guess. But I don't know how much he was would would even have been successful getting that money. I mean, there's lots of factors that go into fundraising and things like that. There's, you know, got to make certain people happy. Got to sometimes make concessions to things, and sometimes you just can't find a way to do that. And this is obviously something you've been very vocal about um, on Twitter and a lot of the even current people with the baseball program have supported you um, in your statements. Um, I think everybody knows at this point just how badly the baseball program needs uh, just extra funding. Um, It does seem like there's starting to be conversations. I know Desiree recently talked about looking at getting a new video board, getting turf on the outfield, which are good places to start, um, but probably not as far as it needs to go. Um, But if Mizzou was to take the next step in funding the program, uh, how long do you realistically think it would take for them to maybe get up to snuff uh, with other SEC programs? A couple years. I mean, really, look at what Kentucky did. Their stadium was worse than ours, and now all of a sudden they have good facilities. Uh, Florida's old stadium was terrible. I mean, it was – Old, it had no sun cover, and it was just it's part of the reason they didn't draw well for a while. No matter how good they were, it's hard to go to the Florida game, and now they have you know, that nice new stadium. Mizzou's got money, they do. Our endowment is not in the bottom of the SEC, it's probably more middle to upper middle, if I remember. Maybe it's maybe a little bit, it's not the bottom. They could fund it much better, and it wouldn't take a whole lot they don't even need they don't even need to fund it to the middle of the top of the sec they just need to fund it to the point where it's at least respectable and i don't think it would take all that long i mean i really don't i think that just showing a commitment to either a getting a new stadium or really doing a real renovation at taylor would be helpful i mean i've always had the thought that and you know from mizzou understanding what sports matter the most why they wouldn't you know they have soccer needs if you look at that soccer field, soccer needs a renovation to that stadium too. Why not renovate that whole little area and have a broad or have the uh, press box go down the left field? I've seen that happen at other stadiums where it goes down the left field line. They can use it for both baseball and soccer. You have a double, you have a dual wheeling press box there and it works. It goes down the line. The stadiums are right there already next to each other. I mean, there's ways that they could go, get up to snuff kind of quickly. I think, I mean, it's not as far fetched as people really think it is. It's just a matter of whether they actually want to do it. I think they could. I think they have the money to do it. I've seen football get multiple turf uh, practice fields behind left field that don't really always even get used. I mean, 
they could easily turn Divine into a really nice indoor baseball facility. And all of a sudden, I mean, they renovate Divine, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you have an elite indoor facility right next to your baseball stadium. I mean, a lot of these stadiums have weight rooms for their baseball team. Mizzou having the the Matsy right there, they really don't need one, and I don't think they need one. It'd be nice to have one, but that's not like if I'm a Mizzou, that's not how my wish list. Yeah, we need a new scoreboard. That would be nice. That's not the highest on my wish list. It's the turf outfield would be really nice. Or why? I mean, are we going to get a new stadium or not? That's one of those things where why would we get turf outfield and the scoreboard and all this stuff if we're not going to stay at Taylor long term? What's the point of spending that money there? Like we got to be smarter with how we spend our money too. So. Short answer, yes, they can do it. It will it take a couple of years, maybe two, three years max, but we've seen other teams in the SEC do it recently, and I know we can. I mean, Alabama was the same way. Alabama and Kentucky were falling behind the SEC. They invested in their programs, and look where we're at now. I'm I'm sort of curious, Pete, like or Peter, just riffing off that for a second. Like it, it just popped into my head, you know, when you were playing and you know, with your teammates and stuff, like when you're on that road trip to Texas A&M and you know you're doing this, they're doing that because you have to make a curfew and you know that, you know, Mizzou is behind in, in some of these things that you're talking about. I mean, how does that affect like you guys and, and you know, team morale and stuff? Obviously, you're, you know, you're playing as hard as you can, no matter what any circumstances are. But did that ever, you know, do those conversations happen in the locker room where, you know, you guys are obviously pretty aware of, you know, being behind facilities wise. I mean, how did that kind of affect like player morale for lack of a, a better term? I don't know how much it affects morale. Sometimes it almost has the reverse effect where it brings guys together, where it's like, Hey, we, they may not you know show the love to us. Maybe, you know, we got to be together. Like we got to stick together more than anything else. Like we can't lean on them. They're not going to give us what we need. We got to do this ourselves. You know, I am some part of it too, is we'll sit there and tell ourselves, Hey, we got to win big to, to get what they get. Like that was kind of our mentality. It's like if we win, we'll get that. And we didn't win. So or we didn't make a regional. So we didn't you know get anything overly new, but I don't know. I don't think it affected us that much. I think it was just, it was annoying, but it wasn't, I don't think it affected morale too much. I think it was just one of those things where we go to, you go on the road and be like, Oh, it's, it's really nice. That'd be cool to have. <laughs> All right. Um, you, you've been in the transfer portal before you, you've played for three different colleges before you, um, pursued your professional career, Peter. And do you think that quick turnaround of hiring Kirk Jackson, you know, is the best way keeping more of these players from jumping ship and going into the portal? Well, I mean, I, the portal wasn't the portal when I was in college, my first year, when I left SLU, I still had to go to a junior college. I couldn't go four two four, So that's why I went to three schools. I had to go to a junior college right away. And then go then that allowed me to go to Mizzou afterwards. Uh, Carrick can really turn it. Yeah. Like the keeping some of the talent from that went in the portal would be nice, but also some of those guys like Tresser and stuff that went in the portal. Those are guys that I think are getting drafted. So the portal for them is almost viewed as a safety net to where like they can tell team, you know, they're, they're using that almost as leverage. If I had to guess personally, I don't know their situation. I don't really know Austin personally all that well. I just would have had, I guess, like somebody like him can sit there and say, well, if I don't sign with X, Y, and Z in the pro team, I have this, you know, other team. Or as a negotiating tactic, where it's like, I committed to this school. I I would love to go there again. You know, I'll have another year of eligibility. 
you got to give me more money to make me sign my pro contract. So that's what I think those guys are maybe doing. I think Carrick, though, can reshape the roster pretty fast. We've seen it happen with other schools. Other schools like some of Mizzou's best players this year were transfers in. A lot of them were really transfers in. And it's a different landscape, but I think he's a guy that probably has a good idea from being in the scouting world and different uh, different roles he's had in baseball. He has a good idea of evaluating talent, and he should be able to go to the portal and do a really good job. I mean, I know guys who Carrick recruited before when he was at Mizzou, and I've Met him once or twice when I was younger, but he's from all I've understand, he's a great guy, and I think that you know, given the right resources, he should be very successful. Yeah, I mean, you know, he just had his his introductory press conference recently, um, and seems to obviously bring that passion. Like you mentioned, he was at Mizzou before, wants to turn this program around. Um, I know, like it was an interesting note to see Ian Kinsler there as well, and you know, this obviously includes yourself in this group. But, you know, kind of how is how important is it for you guys as former players to sort of have decisions, you know, with this program and for them to kind of keep you in the loop with what's going on and let you you guys have a voice as someone who's come there and, and obviously is passionate about seeing this program move in the right direction? I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a voice with that. I don't think I have millions yet to be that influential like Ian Kinsler does. Uh, maybe one day, who knows? But I think part of the reason Kinsler is also doing that is he's He's got the war stick company that he that is what Mizzou uses as their outfitter now too. So I think that's probably part of the reason he's involved with that. But I mean, it's great to see. I would love to see more of the Mizzou. I mean, some of Mizzou's best athletes in the since the turn of the century have been baseball players. I mean, Kinsler, Scherzer, Aaron Crow, Kyle Gibson. Like some of the Mizzou's best professional athletes have come from the baseball program. I mean, we haven't had a Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we've had any MVPs or Cy Youngs or anything like that or the equivalent in football from Zoo. I mean, we love Drew Locke. Don't get me wrong. Locke's great, but I don't think you put him on the same status as you put Max Scherzer or even Ian Kinsler had a borderline Hall of Fame career too. And I love seeing Kinsler being back part of the program personally because, like, he was one of those guys that never really was talked about as much when we were there because he was only in Mizzou, I think, for a year or two because he was a – transfer like I was he was transferred in I think from Arizona State maybe went to junior college too but him being back and part of the program is a great sign I mean you want those guys back you want that you want kids to be able to, when they're getting recruited in Mizzou they go hey I can pick an Ian Kinsler like I can go be a multi-time all-star world series I think champion with the Red Sox like did a lot of great things so I, I think that's a great thing that he is involved in that and that they have people like that from behind you know, before the program, like some of our best players are back involved. That's a really important thing. I didn't feel that as much when I was there, so that's good to see. Just uh, one more question about Mizzou baseball, and then we'll get out of the the weeds of uh, of that. Um, so you touched on it already. You think Carrick, with the right resources, could be very su- successful. Um, he seems very passionate about the job. He made it one sentence in to his introduction before he just – was emotional about the job. Um, so you seem to think he'll be successful. Um, why do you think he's a good fit for the job? Carrick knows the St. Louis area and he knows the challenges. My belief, I, again, I'm just saying this from what I think. I don't really have much to go on this. I haven't talked to the guy. I mean, I think it's going to be great. Love to get a chance to talk to him at some point, but. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think he would have taken the job if he didn't believe that they were actually going to support this program financially going forward a little bit better. He would, I mean, he knows seeing what Coach Beezer probably went through and what he saw firsthand those first couple of years in the SEC, that it's a suicide job if you go in there and you're getting the same budget and you're getting the same support you got before. If it's not going to be any different, we're going to be in the same place in five years. So that's why I think he realizes that something he had to have gotten some sort of assurance that the program was going to start getting funded better. I don't think he would have taken the job. That's one of the first things I think is I think he's a smart guy who knew what that he had to know this program was going to be going in the right direction from a support standpoint, from a uh, standpoint of, I mean, he can recruit really well. He knows the area really well. He has connections with some of the best programs in the Midwest, especially the St. Louis area, which has lost consistently some of our best talent, the Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas recently. He'll be able to do a better job, maybe keeping that in state. Uh, and also, I mean, Maybe after seven years, some of the, there just needs to be a little bit of a different voice for the boosters. Maybe that will help too. I mean, he he has a good connection with some of the older players who played there in the you know late two thousand tens, early two thousand or uh, late two thousands, early two thousand tens, like that. Those years he was there as an assistant, so maybe he be able to you know, get some more funding from that, some donations and stuff like that. But he's done a great job turning programs around. He's done a really good job at every level he's been at. He's respected well in the community. He has great recruiting ties up into the, throughout the Midwest where he can go against toe-to-toe against schools like Louisville even and Kentucky and stuff like that. Those schools we also recruit against. So I think he'll do a great job as long as he's supported the way he's supposed to be supported. That's the same way with Coach Beezer, though, before. If they're not going to get the support from the school, you can only expect so much. I mean, you got to – expect uh, you can't expect the you know college world series if you're going to fund them to barely even be able to go to the sec tournament mm-hmm. um okay just off topic from mizzou now because we've really had to dive uh deep into that <laughs> um so you're in your second season now with the gateway grizzlies how's that been going for you uh it's been going well i mean last year started well and then i got injured and it kind of just through everything and for a loop as a lot of things has gone in my career with the injuries. I hurt my ankle and tried to play through it for a while. This year I feel a lot better. I mean, I feel a lot healthier and it's been going pretty well so far. I mean, our team's been playing very, very well. We've got a lot of good players. I mean, it was pretty fun early in the year. He got hurt, but he's going to be coming back hopefully and sometime in July. We had a former MLB guy and Josh Lucas and it's been fun because we had actually play a bunch of former MLB guys in our league so far this year's talent's been pretty good in our league. You know, seen some really good arms, some good prospects that kind of, you know, are now in any ball guys throw pretty, pretty hard or been, you know, triple a guys. And so it's been, been a really fun year so far. I mean, our team's played really, really well. We have a really good group of guys. that like, it's enjoyable. You know, you look forward to, you know, you have a good group of guys and you'll, you actually look forward to some of the bus trips to actually spend some time with your teammates. Like, those are – that's when you're on a good team with a good group of guys is when you're not d- just dreading every bus trip. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, independent baseball, minor league baseball, it's forever changing. Like your teams can change. You know, one week you'll have a new guy. One week you'll lose a guy. I remember you told me last year there was a couple of former Astros prospects with you on the team. You guys were the gateway Astros is what a coach told you. Are those guys still around or are you just the only one still there? Uh, no, we have some of them still around. One retired. He pitched great for us last year. He just was ready to be done with baseball. I think he was 28 or 29. He was getting done. Uh, another one now is with Juliet, but we still have, uh, 
there's, we picked up another one. We did. This is Joey Gonzalez. He was with the Astros, I think, on that uh, the Fayetteville team that won the championship a couple years ago. He talks about how, you know, he played with Luis Garcia and all those guys as, you know, loaded team. He's been really good for us. And Carson LaRue, who was with us last year, he was another one. So there's three of us still. There's recently <laughs> that you'll still see, like, when we travel, we use our, you know, the best bags we have are some of our Astros travel bags we had. So we, you still see us kind of rock around with that. It's fun. It's like, <laughs> You see a couple of guys have the Angels bags. You have guys with the Astros bags. You got the Brewers bags. It's just kind of all mm-hmm. over. That's awesome. The Gateway Astros still alive. <laughs> and and the goal is to always, you know, make it back to affiliate play. I know a lot of guys get signed out of there. You know, what's the end goal for this season, Pete? If you don't sign somewhere else, I mean, win a championship here, that'd be great. But yeah, the goal is to get signed. The goal is just to find my way back into affiliate ball and see where I can go with it. I mean, I feel good and healthy right now, hitting the ball hard as I ever have. I feel, you know, I'm in a good spot right now. I'm having a pretty good season so far. I'm mentally feeling good. My defense has been getting a lot better. You know, took a while to get my legs feeling better again, but now I can actually play the field again, which is nice. Like I'm going to start playing a lot more recently. It kind of early in the year, I, you know, get my legs back in shape, feeling good. Like I worked hard in the off season, but it took me, it took me until about, probably December, January to have my ankle feel good after last year. I and mean, I really did a number on it. So I feel a lot better now. I mean, it's just a matter of getting my chance. It's sometimes for guys in this league, it seems like bats got usually almost play a whole good season in this league and they get picked up in the off season. And the majority of the bats that got picked up out of our league last year were in the off season. Now we have had some arms get picked up already. We had one guy go to the Brewers and I've seen some arms get picked up out of our league already. So I know guys are watching. I've actually had a couple, you know, talked to a couple teams here and there, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm hoping something comes of it. If not, though, it's nice to you know play on a great team with guys I enjoy with the coaching staff I enjoy. So even if it's not kind of where I want to be, I'd like to you know be an affiliate. This is somewhere I enjoy being right now. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Um, and oh, go ahead. You, you also you mentioned you're getting you know you feel a little bit better running around. I saw you stole some bases already this season. Um, is that something new you're adding to your bag of tricks? I mean, even back to my Mizzou days, I'd steal bags. I remember like it was my 19, it was like four or five weeks in the season, I was leading the SEC and SEC play in stolen bases just because people don't think I'd steal. So I, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. one of those things. Where I'll Always get, the one you least suspect. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I grew up a St. Louis guy. I watched Yachty and Albert do it all the time where they just pick it. They'd see a guy get, you know, lazy with his looks and he, especially with the two looks now, like, I can sit there and know when it, and the pitch clock, like when I see a pitch clock going down three, two, and I know that pitcher's going to be going to the plate. He ain't going to be picking off. I can just vault it at two seconds, knowing that he ain't going to be one step off. So mm-hmm. the, it can, that's where the pitch clock has helped guys like me be able to steal some more bags. I mean, I've had a couple chances this year where I've actually stolen the bag, but it's worked out well where the guys, you know, they like to do it, you know, sometimes even later in the count where I start watching the pitcher's rhythm, see if they're getting lazy with their looks, whether they're a guy who will just one look me every time back to second where, or, you know, some guys remember Mizzou. This is, I mean, this all started really a lot at Mizzou with Coach Beezer and Coach Rhodes at the time. I mean, they really hammered it into us. We were really successful with it, like watching guys in that ter- type of scouting. Like there's, you know, I'll watch a pitcher and see if he's a guy who every single time he comes sets two seconds and home. Like, and sometimes and a lot of guys will get in that rhythm where they come set, it's the same amount of time every time when they come set and you can just jump. You literally just be like, okay, right when, right when he gets to two seconds, I just start running because I trust 
that that's what's going to happen. And it usually does. I mean, that worked a lot for me at Mizzou and it's continued working for me since. I mean, there's a lot of what I learned at Mizzou from being a smart baseball player that is carrying over today. I mean, you can tell, I mean, it's not just that. Like I play, you know, a couple of my, my teammate from Mizzou, Mark Beerling, he does the same stuff. Like he's just a really smart baseball player. You can see, you know, he learned that in college. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I mean, it's it's great that you're still carrying over some of that stuff from Steve Beezer, you know, into your pro career as well. Oh yeah, never stop learning. Legacy living on. And <laughs> we we had another guy on here who played uh, who plays first base as well. And we asked him this: Do you are are you a fan of the? You mentioned the pitch clock, and I know they have the big, the bigger bags too. Do you like that as a? So we don't like, have bigger bags. At oh, they don't. Oh, we okay. don't have them. We do have the pitch clock. We okay. don't have the bigger bags. I I like the pitch clock. Yeah. I know guys get annoyed with it. I know it's stupid in terms of like if a game ends on a pitch clock violation, that's awful. Like I, you see situations, you know, two outs, bases loaded, two strikes, and it's, it's like, oh, that hurts. But it's nice when we have a fourteen to eight game go two hours and forty minutes, not three hours and forty minutes. <laughs> that's, that's very really fair. Nice. <laughs> it's nice getting a little, getting an extra thirty minutes of sleep at night right now. Like that makes a difference for guys. I mean, people don't realize. When you get done with the game, it's hard. You can't go to sleep right now. You got to unwind. You got to kind of, it takes a couple hours after the game to really let your mind calm down and like go from being a lot of guys. I mean, I've had to stop it kind of. A lot of guys drink a lot of caffeine before the games too to get themselves really going. And it takes a while for that to get out. I mean, some (laughs) of these guys aren't falling asleep until, you know, two, three in the morning. And now it's all of a sudden become one thirty, and you're able to get a little bit more sleep. And it's nice. Also, the pace of the game feels pretty good. I like this, you know, fast, like getting it going. But it's that it does have its downfall. Like I saw a college game have the two strike bases loaded, guy get banged. It's like, oh, that's mm-hmm. not how I want to see. Like I don't want to see yeah. the game end that way. And also, it's a matter sometimes you have umpires who just don't want to really don't care about enforcing it. So mm-hmm. that stuff's hard. But I mean, the bigger base thing, I wish we got that. I always wish they had a double base like they do in softball and stuff like that at first. And just make life a lot easier with guys not having collisions and breaking wrists and stuff like that. But you only ask for so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Peter, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time. We appreciated you diving in the weeds in, in Mizzou baseball. We know you're, you're really outspoken about that. And it seems like, you know, with Jackson coming in there, they're taking some steps in, in the right direction, uh, in the right direction, a quick walk, uh, walk away question for you. Um, we asked this last guy we had on on here too. What's your uh, walk up song right now? What do you what do you what do you turn it on to to play before you you slug one? I have two. I'm using "On Time" by Metro Boomin and John oh, yeah. Legend. Great song. But on Sundays, I use the NFL uh, theme song by Fox. Um, for Fox. <laughs> <laughs> That's that awesome. Is, that is my Sunday walkout. I uh, has to be. Yeah, I like that one. Football. On Does that just get you pumped? Is yeah. like, like oh, it's football time. It's love Sundays, man. <laughs> I was a kid of the Rams guys. It's my Sunday theme. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. NFL Sunday still exists, even you're playing a different sport. Always. <laughs> awesome. Always. Hey, you don't you don't think that in the fall we're sitting there uh loading up our fancy football and stuff still too? No. It's <laughs> football's king. I mean, I love yeah, baseball. Yeah. But Sunday, I mean it's just it's that's why I love Sundays. It's one day. It's one day. <laughs> All right. Well, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, you would love to have you back on um, anytime. You know, when you when you get that when you get that phone call, inevitably. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Get that text from Kenny. Come on on. Yeah, come back on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Peter. No problem, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. 
Okay, uh, we're going to finish the show with NBA Finals. Um, we had games, so we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, so we had game three last night, and the Nuggets are up two to one. They retook home court, beating the Heat. Um, and Jokic and Murray, Jamal Murray making history, um, becoming the first players, not just in the playoffs, but in NBA history, um, the first time two players have ever had a 30-plus point triple-double um, Jamal Murray, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Nikola Jokic, 32 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Um, the the duo cannot be stopped. Um, Jokic, I think that was his 10th triple double of the playoffs. Unbelievable stuff. I, I like. I don't know. What, what are we What are we thinking? I this felt like a game. I very much want to overreact and just say Nuggets in five. I mean, um, it was very. Um kind of almost insane to see. I mean, the the Heat had such a great game plan for Jokic in game two, just take everyone else away. Like, Jokic dropped 42 points, but he only had four assists, and they lost. Um, I mean, in this game, the Nuggets had had it down, had the game plan down. I mean, they... It, it was... It's so weird to say, but, like, Spolstra almost got out coached. I'd say, by Michael Malone, because, I mean, Jokic and Murray, despite the fact that a lot of the supporting cast around them failed. I mean, they were just unbelievably good. It's just been the story of the whole postseason for them. Those two have just been on fire. Um, and I, I, I still think it's possible the Heat pick up a game, another game. Maybe they can force it to go to seven just because they've been doubted at every turn. They're so well coached. They're, they're playing great basketball. But I just I don't see a way they win this series. I mean, the Jokic and Murray have been just so red hot that it takes literally minimal amounts of contributions from the rest of the Nuggets for it to for it to be enough. Yeah, when you watch this game, and when I've watched like just Nuggets games in the playoffs this year, it's just like another another guy comes off the bench, and it's not like a band of misfits like the Heat. You know, there are guys on the Heat that shouldn't be in the spot they are, but they've worked, you know, really well and they've, you know, bought into heat culture and that's how they got here. When you look at this, this Nuggets team, a guy like Christian Braun coming off the bench, playing 19 minutes and scoring 15 points. I mean, sorry, Christian Brown, whatever you, however he pronounces it. I know they had that debate on the the broadcast yesterday as well. And I mean, Christian Brown, we've had this theory too, that Christian Brown and MPJ are never on the floor together. It kind of almost like, almost the same player in some sense, but Christian Brown was just unstoppable. I mean, the guy just makes steals and that dunk he, he put down at the, near the end of the game where he just screamed at the heat fans. I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sold in on the nuggets moving forward. A guy like Christian Brown coming off your bench and as hot as he's been, there's such great defense that he brings. Um, there's just so many options for the nuggets right now. I think the, the key that I noticed in this Jokic triple-double is the the 10 assists. Um, in game two, I think he was held to just four, and that mm-hmm. didn't enable a lot of these other role players to um, to create and to, and to score and to have the effect that we saw like someone like Christian Brown have last night. Um, but it, it almost, when Jamal Murray is also playing this good, it almost doesn't matter. You just have a duo that, I think Mark Jackson literally said it on the broadcast, you know, some, sometimes the other player is literally just better. They're just, they're just mm-hmm. more, they have better touch around the rim. Like Jokic is, is so good at his footwork. And then sometimes he can use his body, but then he just puts up these little teardrop shots that just seem to hit one part of the rim and always go in. Um, his touch is unbelievable. Um, 
Yeah, and and Christian Brown, yeah, he had a good a good spurt in this game, and that's what the Nuggets need. That's what's always gotten in their way is they've had some sort of injuries or the supporting cast not playing well enough. If Jamal and Jokic are on one the way they are the rest of the series, they only need one other guy to step up. We just saw that happen. Last night it was Christian Brown. The next night it could be Bruce Brown. The next night it could be Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, um, whoever it is. So, yeah, to Peyton's credit, well done, Heat. Maybe we're overreacting again, but, I mean – it's just it is it is pretty unbelievable what has come together i'm a michael malone fan i don't have to declare this a michael malone podcast but i do love michael malone he's a a fun coach um i was watching game three last night with some buddies and one of my one of my good friends quinn he's a big basketball fan i mean he's new orleans fan through and through but he said when did people start calling him michael malone because to me he's mike malone i've I've always known that too but i've seen more and more people it's just michael 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 I've heard he's come out and said, you have to call me Mike. Like, he doesn't want to be called Mike Malone. It's always Mike. Okay. That's what he was wondering. Yeah. I was like, I'd never heard when that switch was kind of made because for a while he was just Mike Malone in my head. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, The other thing from this game uh, that I saw or that, that, you know, kind of not broke the internet, but uh, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy are beefing. They're beefing. Um, that we had last night, they were debating like, well, there was the first thing where they were talking WNBA and Jeff Van Gundy said that the Las Vegas Aces could, could run the table and not lose a single game. And Mark <laughs> Jackson was just like, what are you talking about? A team doesn't, you've, you, have you seen a team show up every single night and play? Well, he was just angry with Van Gundy about that take. And then Van Gundy like segued out of it really funny. He was like, I just think they're really good as the heat go back into their zone. <laughs> and that was the end of it. And then there was the thing later where they were just debating like, oh, it was Jeff Van Gundy said that um, you should get an assist for when you you make a good pass and it leads to a foul. Mm-hmm. And Mark Jackson thought that was ridiculous because it wasn't recorded. And then Jeff Van Gundy goes, well, we used to play without the three-point line. And Mark Jackson just goes, yeah, and there used to only be two commentators. <laughs> so they're beefing. And yeah. I think Mike Green might have to break up a fight before this series is over. Yeah, no, I didn't hear any of it, but I did. I saw all of it on Twitter. Um, maybe they're, uh, they're, they've just seen all of those tweets about the three-man boobs, and <laughs> now they're trying to just recreate it. Um, yeah, literally. But, yeah, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mark Jackson, hasn't he interviewed for like a million jobs? Yeah, former future point? head coach of the Bucks, Mark Jackson. I think we we could say that about every team in the league at this point. So maybe he was just disgruntled that he didn't get one of those jobs. A job. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I, th- I thought it was funny. And Jeff Van Gundy, he was the one. He did the thing, too, that went viral about the um, the one rule. What was the rule change? Getting rid of charges. Was that what it was? A couple of oh, weeks ago. Oh, I know ago. what you're talking about. I think he was trying to eliminate charge calls yeah. in basketball. He was tired of it. I do remember. That was like t- two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And for the end goal of the finals, though, I know that you really wanted in five or six just because of the bet we made. And we're not going to announce the bet until <laughs> if it actually hits or not. Because you'll you'll see, Jack. You'll be a lot happier on, on the podcast. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Nuggets in seven. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, any other, any other finals things? So we have game, we have our parlay and we have game four in Miami tomorrow. Only one day's rest. Thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. That needs to mm-hmm. speed this along. We need to get to the NBA draft. I'm, I'm ready for NBA draft. This finals has been fun, but I am, I am ready for the draft. I'm ready for the Kobe Brown talk. 
I'm ready for the Wemby talk. I'm ready to make Kenny and Peyton uh, do deep cut research about like why Cam Whitmore is a good like on ball defender. I'm ready to just <laughs> to just bore them to death about all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Um, all right, we'll end it there. Um, hope everyone enjoyed. Um, we, we appreciated the support so far. We will be back on Monday. See you, everybody.